And let's join together in this moment. In the knowing and in the being and the welcome of the truth of each and every one of us. There's one life, one power, one infinite divine intelligence. That activity that is always available but only comes when invited. As Dr. Holmes so beautifully said, to court the presence. And so we court the presence this day collectively and in, in celebration and community in song in contemplation, in word, and in interaction. For the face of God, the presence of God sits beside, it, beside us, lives within us. And to recognize that and to realize that and express that in a beautiful and powerful way that connects us, grounds us, and supports us in that which is ours to do in this moment. So I give thanks this day for all the blessings that have brought us together, that are alive and dynamic, and for those that are yet to be revealed. For we are midwives of the greater yet to be. So in celebration of this tradition of all the wonderful teachers we celebrate, the masters who've come down through the ages and spoken the perennial truth, I give thanks. I release these words in gratitude and appreciation and invite you to say with me, and so it is. And now I'm going to invite you to sing in this very room with me. In this very room, there's quite enough love for all the world. And in this very room, there's quite enough joy for all the world. And there's quite enough love and quite enough power to walk through our every fear for spirit one spirit is in this very room in this very room in this very room and so it is so I'm going to invite you to engage in our two or more, the, uh, our greeting that we have uh, has become part of our, our uh, ritual, to find someone that you can interact with if you'd be willing to stand up and, and uh, greet that person and say good morning. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being alive at this point in time. You have gifts to share. You have love to share. You have potential to fulfill. And you have power to reveal. You are a blessing upon this planet. And the God in me sees the God in you. And so it is. So I want to just uh, I want to express some gratitude to uh, Elena Brooks, who was first one in the door today as I was setting up and and her service. Uh, it's so empty. Sue, Steve, Sue Edwards is here um, uh, every week doing a lot of things, and she's walking the El Camino. She just left to walk the El Camino with uh, one, one, another one of our practitioners. Exciting, huh? Yeah. 
And, uh, and so without Sue, it's, it's like, wow, it's just different here without her energy. It's fascinating if you've noticed. Um, and so I want to thank her. I also want to thank, um, today's talk is called Dancing with the Divine. And so then I, I was dressed differently this morning and then uh, lovely Noreen Crone Finley came in and gifted me with another stole. This one's for the fall, by the way. And my attire didn't complement it, so I had to go find another jacket to put on. So I just said, but we're here, to, I have my dancing outfit on, and I'm going to talk about that in a moment. But I wanted to just start with gratitude and circulate that. It's a, it's a, it, that's a very powerful spiritual practice. And today is, is so, and no, there's no PowerPoint today. We're having a little problem with it. It's making some funny noise and, the, and, and things, and we're working it out. So rather than have that distraction, I thought I would just uh, stand up here and, and share with you, uh, um, guided by that presence. So today's talk is entitled Dance with the Divine. And this talk is a lot about faith. Because faith that you and I are spiritual beings having a human experience. And we've all heard that saying. But it's good to flesh that out. This life, this experience of life, is a gift. It is a gift in so many ways. It is a gift to learn, to grow, and to evolve you and I came into the, the realm of cause and effect. That's what this realm is. You know, Jesus talks about there's many mansions in the Father's house. He, he, it was interpreted sexually, there's many rooms. So this is a room. This is a dimension that is unique. I don't know what the other dimensions are, but I know that it's unique. And there are many mansions in the Father's house, many rooms. So we are in the realm of cause and effect. And the, the beautiful thing about that is so life can give you and I a readout. In this realm, we are gifted with the opportunity to bring the unseen from the fourth dimension into form. We, to bring a, a bit of heaven to earth, to dance with the divine, to partner with God. And that narrows our choices down to two. Two choices in that. One is to come to the divine dress for dancing in faith, or stay still and eventually get crushed in the gracious dance around you. Because that dance is always around you whether you choose to join in or not. I'd like to talk about the first choice today, dressing for the dance, meeting and partnering with God in faith in the joy of it all. As your minister, I encourage you to accept the divine invitation and get dressed for dancing. In fact, I'm here to help you get dressed, to put on the consciousness of that dance. I'm here to remind you and to remind myself to consciously, my opportunity is to consciously and purposefully and intentionally answer the call. And to be a more expanded expression of the divine. More than I have ever been. More than we have ever been up until now. And to move in that direction. Every moment, every day, every week. That is our opportunity. The invitation is there. You just need to get dressed and dance. Case in point. Put this talk together and my dancing stole shows up surprisingly. You need to get dressed and dance or be carried on a stretcher, which you know that is the, that feeling when you get bogged down in the discontent. That's the stretcher. That's the gurney. Myself, our practitioners, and our community are here to help anyone move from that discontent and dissatisfaction into a healthy spiritual motion that we all desire to do the dance of life. So I want to talk about the four stages of showing up for the dance. There's four stages of consciousness, and we cycle through them every day. Every day we, we swing from, and I want, uh, as I articulate them, so it's not as if we're, we're, we're stuck or, or stagnant in this, but they are why me, 
by me, through me, and as me. And this is some of the beautiful work that Dr., uh, Reverend Dr. Beckwith in uh, Agape in, in Los Angeles put together. And it's so, uh, I think it's such a fitting description of our spiritual journey. And when we understand it, then we have the reflection and the opportunity of contemplation to say, what, what state of consciousness and the experience I'm having does this re- reflect? So why me, by me, through me, and as me? So let's start with why me, which could also be called poor me. This is where you aren't going to dance. No dance steps in this one. You have no outfit. In fact, you stay at home. And you there's no one to dance with. And then you go to bed and you, cover, you pull the covers over your head. And you feel powerless, out of sync with everything around you. Everything is physical. So the only thing that exists is what you can see and taste and, and, and touch. Everything is physical. You literally feel sick to your stomach many times. This is where a lot of blaming goes on. A lot of crisis, fears, inferiorities. And we've all experienced that. And, 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 but that's a starting point for many. To use the baseball metaphor, I thought about the baseball metaphor. My father uh, played baseball all his life. He loved it. And, and uh, as a young man, he was very, very um, successful. And he went to Winnipeg, of all places, to play baseball, minor league baseball, for the San Francisco Giants. And the reason I know this, he never talked about it much, was we had paper clippings, and paper clippings of my dad as a young boy, and he hit, the, the year he was in Winnipeg, he hit over 400, which, if you know baseball, is quite a phenomenal feat, because there are people in the Hall of Fame, there are people that are the baseball gods that can hit 400. It means that every time he went to bat, um, 10 out of 4 times or more, he got a hit. So baseball is very near to, and dear to me. I mean, as a young, man, young kid, I know how to wait on the curveball and how to, to bear down on the fastball, and I know how to uh, choke up on the bat if you, the count is three, three, uh, two, two strikes, three balls, all that stuff. So you can talk to me later if you want any baseball tips because we got it all when we were kids. It was one of the fun activities that I got to celebrate with my dad. He would come home from work tired and exhausted after 12 hours every day, and if there was enough sunlight, because I was in Minnesota, and like here we get the eternal sunlight of the summer, he would, he would say, go get your glove, and we'd go play catch, and he would pitch to us. And so it's one of my sweetest memories of my dad. But in baseball, in Why Me, this would be like coming to the game, but we never practice. We just show up, never practice, we don't study the game, we don't get any coaching, you didn't believe you could get what you wanted, what you needed, so you just don't even try. You don't like the coach, you don't like your teammates, you don't like the umpire, and so you strike out a lot. It's a great example of why me, or poor me. Ernest Holmes said this in the chapter on faith of our Science of Mind textbook. He said, someone had said that the entire world is suffering from one big fear. And that fear is that God will not answer our prayers. It's quite profound. Our fear that God will not answer our prayers because of something that, uh, about me or, or who I am. And that's what it feels like praying from that consciousness. Why bother praying? Why bother practicing? It's hopeless. It'll never change. And we see that, we see that in the world as such a popular idea. The next stage, one step up, evolution in the, in the kingdoms of the consciousness is by me. By me. And this is the point where you begin to break out of victimhood. You begin to grasp a vision. It's like the momentum you decided to look out from under your covers. You're, in the, you're still in your bed, but you're looking out from the covers now. You, know, you look out the window from your bed. You start to take responsibility for what you've done instead and look around and think, what negative energies have I been bringing to this situation in my life? How am I interacting with this situation? 
you begin to realize there's certain energies that you are directing. You and I are directing energy all the time. And in this kingdom, we start to wake up to that idea. You realize that being positive and having good thoughts could be important. Might just be good. Might be an important thing. You start to realize that, that um, but you're not quite sure. You're still working in it. But that, that maybe having a good perspective could be important. And that holding images of what we want could be important. And we realize clearing the past, letting go, is, is important to moving forward. And we realize the way we treat others is important. We learn to push through or at least open the window and not get lost in just the pity or being a victim. So in baseball, baseball metaphor, this would look like, I'm going to study and I'm going to learn some new skills. I'm going to practice. I'm going to focus on key strategies and lessons like keeping my eye on the ball, keeping my head level. You know, in meditation, one of the, one, one of the postures in meditation is to have your chin parallel to the earth. Same thing in baseball. So you can play more effectively. But this is mostly intellectual. Second kingdom is mostly intellectual. It's another good idea. And that can be a trap. Because the heart's not engaged. Do you know if you're in second kingdom or third kingdom, the heart's not engaged. And it's hard for the heart. It's hard for many to, to engage the heart. In life, many people only ever reach the second stage of consciousness. High level two consciousness. What we're called to is a movement, I believe, in talking to my peers and the work that, that is uh, important to me and some of the people, the, the co-creation work that we've introduced to our community. Is, it's, it's this movement from second kingdom to third kingdom because another good idea is not going to take us to where we're being called. But we start in this kingdom, we start to develop a vision. And that vision changes a little bit Slightly shifts in the third kingdom, and I'll share that when I get there. So in this kingdom that is mostly intellectual, this by me, taking responsibility, where the heart, and the heart is not yet engaged, there's still separation. In, in life, many people only ever reach the second stage. They think, I got out of bed and I practiced. Hey, look at that. I got out of bed. I'm not, I'm not hiding anymore. I'm doing, I'm doing it. And I'm practicing, and I, I got this. I walk in the walk. I'm a pro. But that's part of it. And if we think that's all of it, it's, it's a mistake. This is the ego talking, because there's so much more yet to come. So let me tell you about the next stage. The third stage is through me. The third stage is through me. In this stage, we open to God and the spiritual experience of God, the presence of God. We realize there's something bigger than our finite humanness. It's not all about me. It's about, and so in this, where we talk about vision, when we start to move and live in this consciousness more frequently, all of a sudden, we're not writing a vision. A vision is finding us. Because when we stand in this consciousness more and more and more, we know what to do. Because our hearts are open. We're listening in a different way. You know, we have this powerful, powerful teaching. This is such a gift to so many. The Dalai Lama said 
that this is the philosophy of the 21st century. Someone shared with me a, a few days ago, this truly is the, the spiritual opportunity for the planet, what we represent. Because it's all about our own growth. It's all about our own evolution. And it, that's so hard. It really is. It's hard work. I, I cycle through the kingdoms every day, every week. And then, you know, it's like, and, and if I'm in, if you're in, the problem is when you're in first kingdom, which is uh, uh, to me, it's real easy to say, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm not measuring up. And then I have to have the awareness, and fortunately I have enough awareness to say, golly, you know what? I'm in first kingdom. What, what practices do I have in my life to take me out of that? I have so many wonderful prayer partners. I call a prayer partner. I probably call a prayer partner five, six times a week. And it helps shift it because I'm borrowing someone else's consciousness. And you know what? When they're there, then they call me. And, I'm, and I can say, well, what can I know for you? It is so powerful and, and transformative. That's part of this third stage of, of, of consciousness. I want to call a prayer partner that is, is in that third kingdom, which is through me. In this kingdom, we realize there's something bigger than our finite humanness, that joy is experienced and we can settle we can sense where it comes from. It bubbles up from inside. It's all, in, it's all an inside job. It comes from within us. Joy is experienced. Ernest Holmes said this in the chapter on faith. What a brilliant, brilliant man. There will never be an end to any of the eternal verities like truth, love, and beauty. Never be an end to truth, love, and beauty. There will never be an end to God, nor to any of the attributes which are co-eternal and co-existent with God. If we are wise, we shall cultivate a faith in these realities. This is not a difficult task, but a thrilling experience. Spiritual substance is all around us, waiting to be formed, waiting for an invitation. In the through-me consciousness, we begin to look for possibility. Look for opportunity. What's for me to learn here? What's for me to know? And sometimes the, the discontent, divine discontent of Holmes, I love that phrase when I found out that my, my, my um, frustration was actually divine discontent. It was the infinite waking me up and saying, hey buddy, there's something here for you to do and to know. But in this consciousness, we can see it from that perspective. How can I learn rather than run or blame someone or something? I get to face myself. We get to face ourselves. That's the only place the work gets done. We lean into our feelings. We begin to partner with the divine instead. Wow, why am I feeling this way? Why am I triggered? Why am I blaming myself or others? What is that all about? What is the error belief I have within me that is, that is nurturing this experience? A quick note on addictions. Addictions, many people become addicted because they're trying to escape their feelings. You know, I think as, as, as teachers and parents, you know, with my grandchildren even now, I want them so much to be able to, to be at home with their feelings, to not try to hide them and run from them, to lean into them. I think it's one of the greatest gifts we can give our kids. So there's, there's a greater clarity and sanity about this. It's not who you are, it's what you're feeling. You are divine and precious and loved. A lot of us didn't get domesticated that way. 
Addiction starts as a numbing to fulfill an unmet need or want, usually in the theme of, of connection or specifically lack, lack thereof connection. And addictions are not just alcohol and drugs. There are a lot of other kinds of addictions like needing to be right or things like gossip. These addictions can actually be even more seductive and harder to spot in ourselves and in others because we rationalize that we do not, we, we, that we have to do them to keep protecting ourselves. So it becomes part of a strategy of moving through life. And so when we understand it from them, then it's, there's not about punishing, but realizing, oh, I have a choice here. I can keep doing this or not. Because there's a solution. And that is to face oneself, to turn inward and to join with an all-loving presence, with spirit, with God. In strength. And stop the, the numbing because all feeling really felt will lead to the experience of love. All feeling, truly felt, will lead to the experience of love because it leads us to ourselves and the truth of our being is, is love because the truth of the infinite, which we are the individualized expression, is love. And everything you need, you'll get by connecting with the infinite. But for many times, it took me years within this teaching to start making that, that, building that relationship so I could rely on it. We have our sacred text, the Science of Mind textbook. And Dr. Holmes, at the beginning of it, has a beautiful passage that says, first of all, about these lessons. These lessons are dedicated to the the truth which sets man free. We are here to free ourselves. Not at anyone's expense, but so that we can share our love and and our appreciation and our gifts. That's why it's so important to get up in the spiritual practices. You have gifts to share. We need to hear that. We need to hear that and nurture that, and, and, and that is an invitation. These lessons are dedicated to that truth which frees man from himself and sets him on the pathway of a new experience, which enables him to see through the mist to the eternal and changeless realities. We're immersed in it. This is our opportunity. This is a thrilling opportunity. I think that there's a, a movement afoot within our movement in September. Uh, leaders, I'll be there in, in San Diego. We're going to get together and talk about spiritual activism. How can we start small and take our movement into the com- our communities and start to impact it more impactfully? And it's all of our opportunity. Not because it's more to do, but it's our opportunity because it's absolutely thrilling. If one life... My teacher's teacher used to always say, if one mind gets moved, and that mind is yours, you have succeeded. We do, we do a very deep, transformative spiritual practice here. And it has, has changed so many lives. So through me experience, through me, that the, there's something moving through me. The baseball metaphor for through me would be that we realize we don't go to the plate alone. I'm not going up to bat alone. We don't go empty-handed. We bring our bat, and our coach is watching us from the dugout and cheering us on. We have an advocate in our lives, which is this divine presence, because it's through me. There's a further presence that drives our physical bodies, moving us through playing the game, giving us the skills to see the ball, to swing the bat, to have success, to make positive contact with life, with ourselves. God is moving through us. Even if we strike out, we don't get upset. You know what? Didn't work out this time. Hmm, what's there for me to learn? How can I do this differently? How can I move forward? 
I got another good idea and I tried to implement that good idea and it didn't work out. Well, what's for me to know about this? What's missing? What's my part to, how can I participate in this? That is the inquiry, the reflection that goes on in Third Kingdom. It gives us the skills to see the ball, to swing the bat, to have success, to make contact. And even if we strike out, even if we go up to the plate and we strike out, we don't beat ourselves up. I'll get him next time. You, watch the, you know, watch the Blue Jays play. They got guys on there, they're batting 300. They're, they're big stars. Occasionally you see one of them break a bat out of frustration, but most of the time they strike out and they walk back to the dugout, they get their mitt and they run out into the field because they're going to get these guys out so they can get back up there and try again. That's the, that's, that's the game they play. So they don't worry about striking out. They do their best. They give their best. It was, <clears throat> we don't identify with anything, anything in our life in this kingdom we don't identify as a failure. It's a learning opportunity. It's a learning opportunity to, to grow us. It was simply another opportunity to learn, to, to, and then I get to take new aim, and I get to choose again. The opportunity is to continue expanding and growing and enjoying life. Expanding and growing and enjoying life. So the fourth stage is the leap into the deep. So it's part of the dance. We leap into the deep. This is the most exciting. Literally, it is the spiritual home run. It is the oneness. And we have these experiences. I know that when I'm sleeping, I'm having this experience. I just know that because I've had dreams and, and things going on in my sleep that I'm like, wow, that was a wild one. And I know it's because my mind is quiet. And I'm, and I'm, I'm permeable and open to that experience. I'd like to have that in my waking consciousness. And, and so I continue to have that uh, invitation open. You know, Yogananda used to say, when he started meditation, reveal thyself. And every time I sit in meditation, I use that little saying, reveal thyself. Because I'm, that's an invitation to me of that, that divine presence. You realize in this state of consciousness that we're all connected, and therefore also all connected to the divine, to God, to the universal good. So God is just another name for good. Living from the I am, you recognize that any pain you inflict on another, you will feel equally this, in the same measure. Isn't that fascinating? Because we are all one. We're connected. So then it really gives you cause to think, if people would really live like this, would we have wars? Would we have people hurting one another physically? If we really realize that what we, how we interact with one another is, 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 is us? This silly idea that we can, we can destroy one another when we're really destroying ourselves. That, that anger and frustration that goes, goes on with that is really a, a, a projection of what is alive within that individual. Aeneas Nin said, I don't see, we don't see the world the way it is, we see the world the way we are. So wise and, and insightful. So in this, you, this oneness, we recognize that pain that we inflict on another will feel equally in the same measure. It will come back to cause and effect. As Matthew proclaimed, I tell you the truth. When you did it to one of the least of, these, of my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. Teacher Jesus talked about it 2,000 years ago. Ernest Holmes says this, It is wonderful to contemplate the mental attitude of people who are not afraid to believe their prayers will be answered. People that are not afraid that their prayers will be answered. I would like to just tell you, catch you up. We started this fund to match funds for our roof. And if you want to see what it looks like, 
It rained, and if you go down the hallway, there's about, there's about four or five nice big wet spots that are soggy on the carpet down there, and we mopped up what came in last night here. And so we know we need roofs, and we need a few things, some furnaces, and we've put together a strategy. Part of that strategy is the matching funds. So in less than a month, we have raised over $20,000. Yeah. You know what we did? Let me just tell you what we did. We, we thought about it, and then we, we worried about it. We got into Kingdom One, and how are we going to do this? This is impossible. And then we said, let's, maybe it's not possible. Let's use affirmative prayer, and let's set an intention. And then we said, let's partner with the infinite. And let, let what needs to happen here happen. And so we're about, with it, we're about $5,255 away from our goal. But the point is, it, it may look small, but it's huge. And it's the generosity of spirit. And it's asking for help. It's saying, we can, use, you know, we can use your help. And so many people have given whatever they can give in support of that. And that's an example of how we collaborate and, and why we're in community. And we're very close to getting our, uh, all of those funds together because there's, a, 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 there's quite a bit more involved with that. But to see that being fulfilled is very inspirational. And I'm, I'm just, I stand in great gratitude because it's, uh, it's a reflection of what we share here and our devotion to the greater yet to be and what a difference this community makes in people's lives. It is, it is wonderful, as Dr. Holmes said, and that's what inspired me to talk about our roof. It is wonderful to contemplate the mental attitude of people who are not afraid to believe their prayers will be answered and are not afraid to say, I know. We shall all arrive at the same assurance, this perfect faith, in such degree we cease contemplating the universe as opposed to itself. See, when we're in alignment with that, there's no opposition. As we cease having the will to do or, or to, to be that which is contrary to the universal good. From that oneness, your heart explodes and you, you cannot fathom anything but joy for and with your fellow man. You realize they are as much a part of you as you are as a part of them. Your hopes, your dreams, your work together in perfect harmony. Holmes further so eloquently states that all men and women are the sons of God, sons and daughters of God. Holmes reminds us that Jesus said, if ye have faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain, remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. That faith is centered in and cooperates with divine mind. We are the science of mind teaching. We influence conditions in our, in our experience with our mind. Holmes frequently said, the, the answer to this is to learn how to think is to learn how to live. I want to share a practice with you. So we have this beautiful chant. What do we do out in the world when we're, we're lost or we're spinning? A beautiful chant. Loving spirit dwells in me. This is, a, this is deep spiritual practice. This is an affirmative prayer. I'll give you your chart back in a second. I borrowed it. Um, you know, loving spirit dwells in me. There's one life, one power, and it is alive in me. It is my life. This is my divinity. As within, so without so what I am, I, everywhere I look, I see it. The namaste. The God within me sees the God within you. All I need is here and now. We are fully supplied in this moment because when we stand in that fourth, third and fourth kingdom, what we need 
we realize we have right now. Where there's error, let me love. How can, we, how can I live in that consciousness more and more and love more? May I have no fear. There is nothing to fear, as Holmes said. The great mistake is that we fear. All the power, all the glory. I surrender, let it be. Guys, I, I borrowed it here. I'll give it right back. They're, they're scram- I stole their script and they're scrambling. Everything we need is right here, believe me. <laughs> Loving spirit dwells in me now and evermore. So if you, you're walking through your week and you start to spin into kingdom one, you forget who you are, it's okay. Not a problem. What's the practice? And I would suggest use this affirmative prayer, this sweet little song. You can sing it to yourself. You don't have to sing it out loud and scare everybody or or embarrass yourself. Here we go. We're going to sing it again. Loving spirit dwells in me. This is my divinity. As within, so without, all I need is here and now. Where there's error, let me love, may I have no fear. All the power, all the glory, I surrender, let it be. Loving Spirit dwells in me now and evermore. So we have the invitation to dance. Let's get dressed up to dance. Let's put on the consciousness that allows us to dance and to be a light upon this planet. You are the light of the world, and so it is. Blessings.